And I think too, like society puts this expectation on us as women that we are always in this um, mode of competition. Mm-hmm. And I really love the environment that I'm currently in and the team, how like there's none of that. It's like we're all working together. It's kind of like in a race. If somebody trips and falls, we're all going back to pick them up so we can run together. Welcome to Everything is Spiritual, a podcast from Soul Care Urban Retreat Center. We're talking with local folks, faith leaders, creatives, thinkers, and community advocates, getting personal about their faith and spirituality and how it shows up in their daily life and work. I'm Kelly Skinner, your host, and I'm sharing these heart-centered conversations to invite you to become more aware that everything is spiritual and to deeply connect with what is most true and alive in your own everyday life. I had the opportunity to meet this week's guest in the very early days of getting Soul Care started and doing outreach to the community. I enjoyed meeting her, having a meal with her at Neal Street Blues, getting to know her a little bit better, and following her on social media. She's just an amazing woman who is involved in so much in the Champaign-Urbana community. Belina Claiborne is the executive pastor of CU Church and has served with that congregation since January 2019. And before that, she was the outreach minister at Windsor Road Christian Church where she joyfully encouraged others to share God's love within the community and to boldly engage the world. Valina identifies herself as a perfectly imperfect follower of Jesus, wife to her better half, and supermom to three. She's also involved with the community as a board member with real-life families and also with the United Way of Champaign County, where she leads diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. She's also a certified yoga instructor and has provided classes for the community and the university. Balancing parenting and working full-time in a ministry role is extremely difficult. Valina talks about some of the ways she's made it work and what she's discovered along the way. So welcome, Valina, to the podcast. Hello. Thank you, Kelly. Yeah, it's been such a long time since I've gotten to see you in person. And it's so wonderful to see your smiling face. And um, I'm just looking forward to our conversation. Me too. Me too. Yeah. So some people in Champaign-Urbana may not know you, but for people who don't know you, why don't you describe yourself, you know, the, the basics, who you are, what you do, what you care about, where you live, that kind of stuff. Yeah, sure. So I am um, native Champaign-Urbana. Actually, I went to Urbana Middle School. I went to Leal Elementary School, Urbana Middle School, and then we moved to Champaign, and I went to Centennial High School. So I'm from the area, moved away for about 10 years, but not too far. We lived in Bloomington for a little bit, and then moved back. And so My husband's family is here. My family is here. We have three children that keep us busy. We have a sophomore in high school, a sixth grader, and a second grader. So they keep us really busy, but that's me. And when you're not being a mom, what what do you do for a living? 
So my background is in social work. That is what I went to school for. But currently I serve at a, as a pastor at CU Church. It's a local church here within our community. Awesome. Awesome. So I really like to just dive in with people and get right to the meat. You know, you talk about when you like go to parties or you talk with people, you're not supposed to talk about uh, religion or politics, but uh, that's what we talk about. So, so I would just love to hear a little bit about your faith and spirituality growing up and how it evolved for you over the years. And, you know, if there was one story or experience that you had that would say was pivotal in shaping your current beliefs? Yeah. So as a child, I would say that I grew up in the church. Those of you in the community that know me, you know that my grandmother actually raised me and one of my younger siblings. And so she had us in church every Sunday. And I'm talking Baptist church, five hours, like all the things, usher board, all like all the things, you know. And I I actually remember as a child trying to like push back a little bit because, you know, respect is huge. I don't know if if a lot of the children today recognize all the things (laughs) regarding Mm -hmm. respecting elders, right? Mm -hmm. Grew up, but um, I remember pushing back about like wearing stockings, pantyhose to church Mm -hmm. when you were a child because they are super thick and you couldn't see anything (laughs) underneath them. They're really like, I don't even know what, they were just tight. (laughs) Tight dresses every Sunday. And I remember Uh pushing back pushing back on on wearing that, but um, in church every Sunday at all of the events. But that was like my introduction and my story as a child is going to church every Sunday with my grandmother. Mm. I do recall at about the age of like 15 or 16, uh, push like pulling away, I would say, from the mm. church. I was first baptized at the age of 12, and that happened because all of my friends were being baptized. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, if they're doing it, I'm going to do it too. Right? You don't want to miss out. Yeah. I don't want to miss out. They're doing it. I'm going to do it too. But there was never really this relationship with God. Okay? Mm -hmm. And I remember at the age of, it was around 14, 15, where I was just done with him. I didn't want anything to do with him. And it had a lot to do with um, my relationship with my mother. Mm. And I just felt as if this God was as, you know, glorious and kind as I hear about in Sunday school and at church and everybody's praising him and worshiping him. Then why is there this rift in the relationship between my mother and I? Mm -hmm. So, um, that, that's, that's the childhood, childhood side of it. It wasn't until I was, um, an adult in my late twenties that I reconnected with him and really started to form a personal relationship with him and realized that looking back, he was with me all along. Mm -hmm. I I just didn't know it at the time. I didn't know Mm -hmm. it at the time. And so that just rekindled this very beautiful relationship of love and trust that I have with him. Um, mm-hmm. Just realizing that he was there during the pain. Yeah. 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 
So you said you're um, a social worker by education. Mm -hmm. So how did you get into doing pastoral work? Right. So as I mentioned before, I have three children. And with all of my babies, I knew that I would want to stay home at least the first year. Right. Because that's just me. And so the youngest one who is seven now, when we first found out we were pregnant with him, I was working for a Christian agency, a Christian social service agency here locally. Mm -hmm. But again, I knew that when he got here, that I was going to be home for at least a year. And so transitioning out of that, I began a part-time position at a local church that my family was attending here in town, which was Windsor Road Christian Church. Mm -hmm. And that evolved into a full-time pastoral position over the years. And so that's that's how I got into ministry because I really thought that I would be going back into secular social work. And I say secular because ministry, it is social work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like at the foundation of it is social work. I mean, I just, I'm not in court as often and I don't have to file court reports on a weekly basis, but Mm -hmm. it is, it is social work. Yeah, taking care of those who feel marginalized and and really ministering and helping people heal. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, now you said you you were at Windsor Road, and you know, as I was kind of stalking you a little bit, I saw you've moved around and been served in pastoring roles for a couple different churches in the area. What drew you to see you church and what do you enjoy about being there? Yeah. So I've actually only served at Windsor and see you. Okay. Oh, my bad. Those are the only two. Um, Windsor road was my introduction into the pastoral world and everybody at Windsor road. They're still family. Like we still keep in touch. If I'm ever able to sneak over there for something like a worship service or something like that, I'm there. But um, Pastor Randy, the lead pastor of that church, like he is just, he just holds a very special place in my heart because he is the one that was very encouraging to even become ordained and just Mm. supported that drive that I felt like the Lord had laid, you know, on my spirit to kind of look into that. And so Pastor Randy, all of the staff there, all of the elders there, um, you know, our small group folks are like family. They're godparents to our children. Hmm. Um, We may not talk as much as I would like to, but we still, you know, we still keep in touch there. And so what led me to see you, church, is just the desire to be obedient to a call that I felt like God had laid on my life, which was to use my voice more Hmm. now. I'm going to say that to say this. I am a girl who took speech four times in college before I actually passed the class because I kept dropping it. Oh, wow. So I would get past. And those of you who, you know, are familiar with how the things go in speech class, right? Your very first speech is your demonstration speech, right? It's showing somebody how to do something. Easy peasy. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to show you how to make pancakes. Super easy, right? <laughs> I can do that. It's within the time limit. I'm hitting all of the, the things I need to hit from the syllabus. It's great. So that speech nailed it. Then we would get on to like the other speeches that we had to do. Mm-hmm. I would freak out and I would drop the class. So that happened three out of four times. Wow. Three out of four times I paid for that class. Because you know, by the time you get to that point, it's past that 
full refund mark. Uh huh. Didn't get any money back. I had to pay for it. <laughs> what what about it was so daunting? No, I you know I tell people this and they don't believe me. They're just like, what really? I do not I do not find joy in speaking in front of large groups of people. Hmm. If I could do radio, I'd be in my little sweet spot because you yeah. can see me. You can't see me like. <laughs> you can't see me, but I knew in like, um, every year at Windsor, we did, um, just like self evaluations mm-hmm. and looking back and just having conversations with pastor Randy, um, and some of the elders there, it was evident that like, God was like really laying it on like, Hey, I want you to use your voice. I want you to use your voice. And I, and I, you know, I recall trying to pacify him as you will by saying, Oh, well, I'll just teach, you know, I'll fill in for the high school. If, if they need me, it's totally fine. Like I'll just do that. And, you know, we had a single mom's ministry there. I'll just teach, you know, on Wednesday nights at the single mom's ministry. And that's gonna fulfill what it is that he wants me to do. Absolutely not. He wanted me to use my voice and I will never forget. I was told by Pastor Randy that there's two types of two types of pastors. There is um, like a what you would call. I think he called it like a classroom pastor, a scholar pastor who has all the PowerPoints and uses all of the, the fancy Greek language and all of that, which I can throw some of that out here and there, but that's just not, you know, natural to who I am. And then there's the pastor of the people, the person who can sit across the table or sit on the side of the road and just have like a heart to heart conversation with the person without the PowerPoints, without the, the, the big fancy words and just actually dig deep into their soul, into their heart to introduce them to, to Jesus. And he told me, he was like, you are a pastor for the people. Like you are someone that the people want to hear from. They want to hear what you have to say. You can reach them. You love them well. This is, this is who you are. Like this is who God has made you to be. Okay. So backing up to your question, that is what led me to see you church. Just the opportunity to use my voice more. Mm. So what does that look like for you now? So are you more comfortable getting up and speaking in front of people? Or do you share things that are unique, uh, that bring your own special gifts of being a pastor of the people? Yeah. So no, I am not comfortable speaking in front of people. (laughs) However, whenever I am asked to do it, I'm obedient and I say yes. Right. So there is a rotation with that. Um, where we have our time to do that. And I do feel like on a, on a grand scheme, just how we are organized as a staff team, um, everybody's voice is heard, mm-hmm. right? There, there's no separation. There's no leadership team. There's no, although we, we have titles mm-hmm. uh, and I'm using air quotes here. We have titles but at the end of the day, we are pastors and we are here to love God and love people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm, that's beautiful. So as a woman pastor who's on staff um, and, and a black woman pastor um, and a mom, uh, 
mm-hmm. who's had lots of experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of those unique gifts and perspectives that you bring to your role? Yeah. So I first want to say that, you know, you mentioned, you know, being a black woman, being a woman, being, I don't speak for all black people. Of course not. Start there. I always Mm -hmm. like like to put that out there because I think sometimes there is like a misconception like, oh, well, she'll know the answer. And so Mm -hmm. one of the things that I love about our team is that that is something that was never assumed. And so I never felt like I had to, to state that as a mom and as a woman, I bring a lot to the table as far as putting in perspective, even what the day to day looks like for our staff team, right? If we're, if we are planning events, I can always look at that as a mom. Right. Mm-hmm. I can always look at that as a woman. I can look at that as a single mom, although I'm not a single mom right now. I was a single mom in the past. So those give me like different insights when we are planning certain activities or events. And, you know, I'm, I'm also not the only woman on staff, which is great, too, because then there there's more support where, where that comes from. Mm-hmm. I think, too, the uniqueness that I bring to the table is reminding the men at the table that I'm a wife and a mom first, mm-hmm. right? That that is my first ministry. And anything that happens with church comes after my husband and after my children, because that is the way that God wants it, right? He wants God, husband, children, mm-hmm. and then everything else. And so if I'm ever reaching a point where I feel like things are out of order in response to how I know without a doubt that God wants them to be, um, I have a team like, like collectively we work together to make sure that things are in an order in which God would want them to be. And not just for me, that's with everyone on, on the team, even, even the, even the lead pastor, even Jason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you discern that sometimes? You know, sometimes it's discerned by just the way you feel, like you can see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very interesting. And a lot of people um, hopefully don't miss this. God speaks through those around you, right? Mm-hmm. So when your children are like, why do you have to leave again? Oh, I've been gone too much. You know, mm-hmm. I think early on, because I've been doing pastoral work for almost 10 years, right? I think early on, I felt like I had to be available all the time. Mm-hmm. And it was it was my time, you know, navigating through some of the later years at Windsor where I realized that setting boundaries is very important. Mm-hmm. And so discerning that over over the years has come from Hey, I'm going to set some boundaries. This is not an emergency. No one's dead. We're not rushing to the ER. This can wait until until tomorrow. I remember when I first started in this role, the culture of CU Church is to just be available and to be a person, right? Which you don't get a lot of that when you have large churches. Mm-hmm. So that was hard for me to adjust to, but I think that it also helped me set those boundaries to discern in that area. So like if I receive a text and it's family time, I won't respond until the next day if it's not any mm-hmm. kind of urgency. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, just setting boundaries on when I check email, making sure that I disconnect when I am on vacation, 
those sorts of things are things that Jason and the staff as a whole has have really um, just supported the whole team with, like that we support mm-hmm. each, other's, each other with. And so I think discernment comes from hearing it from other people and just paying attention to how you feel. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. are, you, are you feeling worn out? Are you feeling stretched thin? You know, how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. And then being in tune with the Holy Spirit too. That's going to let you know. Yeah. And, um, and those are definitely things that we have opportunities to practice mm-hmm. and to learn. And it sounds like it's a wonderful environment where at least some of that is normalized yeah. and everybody is kind of bringing that to the forefront and working through it together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's a wonderful environment. Yeah. Um, I think women sometimes are afraid of setting those boundaries or afraid of checking in with themselves about what they need or where their limits are because they don't want to disappoint people or they want to be the one that is seen as somebody who can be available or can serve. Mm -hmm. But I always like to say you can't pour from an empty cup. So Right. That's that's true. And I think, too, like society puts this expectation on us as women that we are always in this um, mode of competition. Mm-hmm. And I really love the environment that I'm currently in and the team, how like there's none of that. It's like, we're all working together. It's kind of like in a race, if somebody trips and falls, we're all going back to pick them up so we can run together. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's wonderful. Yeah. Nobody's looking back saying, Oh, Oh no, she fell. Okay. Well, she'll catch up. Right, right. We're going to move on so we can win. Move on. Yeah, there, there's none of that, which is just, you know, it's it's just beautiful and refreshing. Mm, that is really nice. So another thing that you're involved in is different organizations that support families in our community. Why is that a particular passion of yours? Yeah, um, I would say it goes back to childhood being raised by my grandmother. You know the saying, it takes a village, right? And it truly does take a village. And we know that we're not meant to do this alone. And there's no reason for us, you know, as a community to try and reinvent the wheel. Let's just support the wheels that we have. Mm -hmm. Right. Let's just support them. And so if it was not for the people that supported me um, growing up as a child, I I know I would not be where I was today. Mm. So it's just a matter of, you know, giving back and just recognizing that this is what works. Mm -hmm. This is what works. Everything that happened in my childhood, all the stats would point towards um, failure for me. Mm. And that's, girl, that's a whole other podcast that we can can get into (laughs) later. But the support systems, the people that, did things at that time outside of the box. That is what has supported me throughout my life. And those are the ways that I feel like the Lord actually made himself known and prominent throughout my upbringing. So Mm -hmm. that's why I'm just, I'm just, I'm really passionate about that. And too, not to mention that the family is the foundation of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important just to make sure 
if families are healthy. Hmm. So what does that mean? What does that mean for you? What does that mean um, being the foundation for the kingdom? Yeah. Um, what does that mean kind of like in daily life? Yeah. So it starts at home, right? Like I said, going back to that, my first ministry is to my husband and my children, right? I was blessed with a husband and there are expectations for me to, to serve as a wife. There are expectations for me to serve as a, a mother. And I know the word serve is probably going to make a few people cringe. Like, Ooh, she said, serve. She said, <laughs> serve her kids. Bottom line is this. We could talk about this all day long. The bottom line is this. If you have a spouse, husband, wife, whichever, if you have a spouse that is wholeheartedly following the Lord to the best of their ability, you will have no problem serving and following them. No mm. problem. Even when times get rough and it's hard, you're irritated, you're tired, you know, you're frustrated at the end of the day, you know the heart of that person because we're people, right? We're going to make mistakes. We're going to fall. You are going to be there to uplift your spouse or your children, you know, whomever that is. And so for me, it starts at home. It's just, it's just like the education system. We can't expect teachers to do all the things for our children. We have to take some responsibility for that at home. And so the relationship that my children have with the Lord, it starts here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would, I imagine, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would imagine that you would choose to be in a relationship where each partner feels that way. So it's not just you as the wife mm -hmm. serving your husband, but at the same time, your husband feels an obligation to serve you. Yeah. And it is mutually supportive. Yeah, it's a mutual service. You know, it's, it's a mutual support. Like you said, mutual support, there's mutual service and all of the energy you know, that we give to community organizations or to the church family or to our neighbors or anyone else, that energy should be matched at home. Mm -hmm. It should be matched at home. If not, mm -hmm. it, depending on what your, what your service life looks like. But mm -hmm. yeah, that, that totally makes sense. And all that stuff has to happen first uh -huh. um, in your house. And if you, if you are, kind of not matching that energy, then there's, there's a disconnect there. Absolutely. Yep. Hmm. Absolutely. So on a bigger sense, yeah. if you could sum up your spirituality right now, like in one or two sentences, what would that be? I would say that I am a perfectly imperfect wife and mom constantly like consistently just like seeking to bring him glory hmm. that's it hmm. yeah with everything i do knowing that there is an element of grace because like i said i'm perfectly imperfect which means i'm gonna mess up a lot <laughs> but at the end of the day i just want to bring him glory in all the things that i do mm-hmm Yep. So how does that play out for you? How does your life look coming at it as a perfectly imperfect person yeah. who is trying to serve God? Yeah. I think me recognizing that I will never be able to do anything completely perfectly 
leaves room for me to accept the grace that he has given, which is huge because, you know, sometimes I feel like we grow up and we think, oh, I have to do this just right. And when we, when we mess up, it causes us to hide or um, to be ashamed or, you know, to keep secrets or things like that. And so I think recognizing, hey, I know I'm going to mess up. I know I'm not going to do this perfectly. He's going to love me. I just need to try my very best with everything that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it looks like leaving room for the Holy Spirit to move, leaving room for him to move. Um, I'm a planner. Everybody that knows me, I'm a planner. That has a lot to do with like control, right? When when you feel like growing up that your life was out of control, you want to do as much as you can to control it and to create these safety nets, right? Mm-hmm. To make sure that you're safe, your children are safe, your husband's safe, your family's safe. But really, it's a false sense of control in the first place. We don't really have control. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that for me, once I realized who has the ultimate control, and leaving room for him to move. Cause at the end of the day, he's going to get his way. <laughs> and you can go kicking and screaming, or you can go, <laughs> you can go a little bit more gently. Yes. Prayers can be like, Lord, can you gently remind me? Or me? I listen, I pray gentle prayers all day. Like, can you just, can you like tap me on the shoulder, like and let me know? You know that whisper that they talk about. Can I just have that? Like, <laughs> I want the whisper, not the roar. Yeah, you know, unless I'm trying to like tell him to go get somebody else. Then, of course, he'd be like, "God, go get him!" Like, <laughs> <laughs> tell him what it's all about. Yeah. Right, right. Um, but I think that that's what that looks like in a day to day life, and just. You know, I just, I love my family hard. I love them hard. And it doesn't, you know, to their defense, it doesn't always feel good, right? Everybody Mm -hmm. hears the word love and they think of, you know, the daisy fields that everybody, or sunflower seeds. Sunflowers, yeah. Mm -hmm. That everybody's going to take pictures in. You have Mm -hmm. not seen girlfriend over there in them sunflower fields because I know that there's snakes out there. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. Like, I'm not, no. And so it's just, I think it's just recognizing all of those things and that you just love hard. I love hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, earlier in the season when I was having some conversations with people, uh, a lot of people would use love. And I had this insight that we all use that term, but each of us have different definitions of it and definitions of what it looks like and how we love and what love means. Mm -hmm. So when you love hard, what does that mean? So when I love hard, it means that, you know, I'm with you no matter what. I'm with with you when you're right. I'm with you when you're wrong. However, when you're wrong, I'm going to tell you that you're wrong but I'm still going to be, be with you so we can turn around and make it right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, loving hard is loving through the hard stuff. You know, we're human. We're going to make mistakes. And that is against everything that my flesh would want. Right. My flesh just wants to be like, you're dead to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honest, you know, 
there are a lot of people out there like who may not want to admit that, but that's the truth. It's easier to just be like, nope, they messed up. I'm not about that life. I don't want to be a part of that. I'm going to be over here and that's all I'm doing. That's it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if we are loving them hard, it doesn't mean that we can't set healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. But if we're called to love God and love people, God would want us to love them through all of the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know it's hard. It's hard. It is hard. Love is a four-letter word for sure. Yes, <laughs> yes it is. <laughs> um, let's talk burnout a little bit. So, yeah. you know, burnout is a huge issue for people in ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, burnout's a huge thing for people who are doing secular social work. Mm-hmm. Burnout's a huge thing for moms. Mm-hmm. Uh burnout's a huge thing i think for everybody right now yeah um so what are your kind of go-to spiritual and self-care tools you use to assist you um with kind of walking through burnout as a mom as a working woman Mm -hmm. and as a pastor right so i'm going to be completely transparent and that's why i kind of giggled when i saw this on the list of things that we may or may not cover and i'm just like oh god look at you because i feel as if i am entering a particular season of burnout i think that there was and you know i may not be alone in this i don't know but i can just speak for myself that there was this unrealistic sense of oh, maybe we're actually not working when we were all on lockdown Mm -hmm. for a year. When we were, as pastors, we were. We Mm -hmm. were calling people. We were praying with them over the phone. We were still trying to orchestrate, you know, supply drives, making sure that needs were met, making sure that people got meals, making sure that bills got paid for people that needed assistance with that, helping with childcare of parents, whether they were single parents or not, who still needed to work to make sure that they can make ends meet. And so there was still this, this service burden. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not using burden in like a negative term, but just like mm-hmm. carrying the burden of our community as we navigated through what this pandemic looked like. All that stuff didn't go away. It did not go away. It did not go away, even though we were at home. And then still making sure that we provided some sort of platform where people could hear the authentic word of the Lord. Okay. And feel connected during that time, right? Whether it was through Zoom or Facebook or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. And so now, as we are entering to a season where, you know, children are going back to school, sports schedules, things are becoming more active. I sit and I look back and I'm like, man, I haven't talked to my therapist since Mm pre-COVID. Right? I would talk to her every single month. I hadn't talked to her since Mm pre-COVID. I find myself going on a vacation and coming back and still being tired, exhausted, and irritated. Mm -hmm. I find myself looking at my phone when somebody calls and ignoring the call and then being immediately convicted. Like, why are you ignoring that call? You're not better than that person. Answer, like answer the phone, answer the mm-hmm. phone and see what they need. And so it's just, you know, hearing, hearing my children say, like I alluded to earlier, mom, you're leaving again, you know? And so 
when I am starting to look at this season of, you know, entering into burnout and how to redirect what's happening, it is number one, see your therapist on a regular basis. And if you don't have one, talk to somebody who can refer you to one. Mm -hmm. I think that there is this, you know, this shame, which I hope that we're breaking the mold of to where especially black people, black men, black women are not open to seeing therapists. And then, you know, men across the board, right? Um, See your therapist on, on a regular basis. And that is up to the two of you, what that regular looks like for you. Mm-hmm. And then setting healthy boundaries is the second one with your family, with coworkers, with people that you serve, um, and knowing your limits. And then lastly, just taking care of yourself. You know how much sleep you need. Go to bed. <laughs> Take a nap. Drink more water. Mm-hmm. You know, go for a walk. Um, I was challenged to find out, you know, you had mentioned, you know, you can never pour out from an empty cup. Mm -hmm. I was challenged to find out what fills my cup. And this Mm -hmm. is a challenge to anybody listening. Find out what fills your cup to the point of overflow and only offer your overflow. Mm. That way you're never operating out of a less than full cup. Mm -hmm. And so that is the current challenge that I have is to, to be able to figure out, discern, pray, tap into the things that fill my cup and to integrate them on a consistent basis in my schedule Mm -hmm. where I'm only operating from a place of overflow. Yeah. And it's really interesting because I've been kind of preaching self-care and rest. I mean, that's part of what soul care is all about, is providing space um, in a very accessible way for people to do that. Mm -hmm. And I've been inviting people over the past 18 months to take advantage of it. And I have found that I feel like during this season, this year, people need it, you know, more than ever. And yet they're the least likely to take it. Mm-hmm. And everybody says, you know, they know what they need to do, mm-hmm. but they won't make the choice to mm-hmm. actually do it. And I, I mean, I'm guilty of this myself. And so it's not just, I think it's identifying what it is that you need or what you want, mm-hmm. making the choice to actually and put it into your schedule, you know, block out time on your calendar. I know we've all read in the magazines or whatever about making appointments with yourself or or putting reminders in and actually committing to yourself. And then not just doing it once either, you know, it's a big step to do it once, but then do it again and do it again Again. and do it again. Um, And making it making an act into a habit. Yeah. And I'm guilty of this myself. And as much as I invite other people to do it, I took a nap in my quiet pod the other day, or a 20-minute nap, and it was so wonderful. (laughs) We have a sleep culture in my household. (laughs) Oh, that's, oh, and I've never done that. 
naps are are so good for you. And even if you can't sleep, I've always been that person that said I can't sleep, but just being still and shutting my eyes. Yes, yes, Mm -hmm. yes, yes. Yes. And, you know, I think too, just, you know, adding on to what you said, if you are a leader listening to this, it starts with leadership. Mm -hmm. I think we have this, you know, culture within our city, like this work culture, Mm -hmm. right? That, you know, working, doing this, this culture of busyness, which I've posted about that a few times in the past, um, that that shows that you're actually successful if you're busy. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, you know, actually taking time to pour into your cup and making sure that your cup is poured into it can be viewed as laziness mm-hmm. or selfishness. Selfishness, right? And I and I just want to encourage leaders out there to change your culture wherever that space is that you're leading. Um, starting at home, work, change the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, there is. So right before the pandemic hit, I got certified to teach yoga. And I teach Christian yoga and the chief of police at the U of I police department. She, she is an example of a leader who recognizes that self-care is important and that there is no way that the officers within that department can effectively not only serve our community, but serve their families if they're not paying attention to their own self-care and if they're not operating from a full cup. Mm-hmm. So we've had conversations about what that could look like and just utilizing the resources to where, you know, I come in and help facilitate self-care with those officers mm-hmm. at work, in the work culture, giving them tools that they can use while they're at work and tools that they can take home. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's like, that's just what it has to be, you know, and not all of us have the opportunity to work in a culture like that. But if you are in leadership, you know, that is my challenge to you to change the culture of the space where you're leading, where mm-hmm. self-care is what happens first. Yeah. And it goes back to what you were saying before of the team that you're working with now, mm-hmm. normalizing setting boundaries, normalizing not needing to do it all right yeah. now. Um, normalizing, supporting one another and respecting those boundaries. And if one or two people can do it, or if the leaders of the team can do it, it makes such a difference. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, when you think about, you know, these people in positions of leadership, you would never hire someone who was operating on an empty cup. You would never hire someone who was emotionally unhealthy. So why wouldn't you want to maintain that same sense of healthiness in that individual that you hired to come work with you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Hmm. And so our pastors need to make sure that they're taking care of themselves so that they can model it for other people. That's right. And the people that they're serving. That's right. Yeah. 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 I'd like to end these conversations with some rapid fire questions okay. to uh, just bring in some a little bit of fun to the end of our conversations. Okay, all right. <laughs> all right. So uh, what's something that people get wrong about you? Uh, I hear a lot that, uh, oh, oh, that life is easy. 
I hear that a lot. Say more about that. I that hear your that. life is easy. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot. Or maybe I just make it look easy. I don't know. Um, <laughs> because they're like, "How are you a parent of three? You're working full time. You're a wife, and you do all this extra fun stuff on the side." Well. I have a planner. And if I showed it to you, you'd be like, oh, okay. That's how she does it. And it's really like through setting healthy boundaries and taking naps Mm -hmm. and saying no. Good prescription. Yeah. Yep. Saying no without explanation, people. That's it. Mm -hmm. Very good prescription. What's your favorite or most meaningful spiritual practice right now? I would say prayer. Is there a special kind of prayer that you do? No, I just, you know, I'm in a season where I recognize that he just wants to hear from us. And so I, I pray while I'm cooking. I pray while I'm cleaning. I pray while I'm, while I'm driving. My eyes are open though. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's out loud. Like it's out loud. The kids recognize, Oh, mom's mom's talking to the Lord. Like, you know, it's just, just being in that like constant conversation with him is where I am right now. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you see the divine as most alive for you in this season? Um, in nature. There's two, nature and music. So, and I'm figuring out, I feel most close to him when I'm near water. Mm-hmm which is kind of hard in central Illinois. In a landlocked state, yes. I know, which Mm -hmm. is why I'm always trying to go somewhere. Um, (laughs) But I feel, because I know that he is the, you know, he's the author of peace, right? As as well as many other things. And so I just feel um, at peace and relaxed and just so connected with him in nature, more so with, with water. Um, and then also with music. Mm-hmm. Is there any music that you particularly like right now? You know, I like all the the Christian gospel music. Like, yeah. Yeah. Contemporary, old school gospel, hymns, all of it. Yeah, all of it. I love it all. What's one thing that you recognize in your life that might seem ordinary to other people, but is sacred for you? You know, we, we talked about it a lot. It's, um, it's the nap time. Mm-hmm. It's nap- sacred napping. Yep. It's nap time. People think like, oh, it's just like, you're just taking a nap or, oh, you're just making your kids take a nap or, oh, it's, it's that whole element of like rest napping, Mm -hmm. sleeping, you know, that's why my kids go to bed at seven 30 at night. Mm -hmm. It's that whole, that whole element, because I know how important it is to be refueled, to do all the things that he's called us to do the next day. And we can't do that if we're completely exhausted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are you deeply grateful for right now? Right now, I'm deeply grateful for the opportunity that he has given me to serve his kingdom by serving his people as my profession. Mm. Like, I just, I still cannot, like, I, I thank him for that so many moments throughout the day because I still just cannot, like, really, God, are you sure I'm supposed to be here? 
I get to do this. Hey, are yeah. you sure I get to do this? Because you know I'd be over here giving sister so-and-so the side eye. Like, are you sure, <laughs> like, are you sure I'm supposed to be here? <laughs> and God says yes. Yes, he says yes. Because he's like, maybe sister so-and-so needs the side eye. <laughs> Okay. It goes back to hard love, right? Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think that's that sounds like a sermon waiting to happen. Sister so and so or the side. Uh-huh. Yeah. So sister yeah. so and so gets the side eye. Side eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, do you have a book that is uh inspiring you right now that you would like to recommend? Because I'm total book geek nerd. Yes. So over this season, um, we started a, a book club. It actually started as a Bible study, which kind of evolved into a book club as a way to keep us all connected over the summer. Um, and instead of you know transitioning back to a Bible study, I'm just going to call it a book club, and the Bible is just going to be one of the books that we dive into, like mm. right. Um, and so I think for me, the book that we just actually finished up is Women Involved by Sarah Jakes Roberts. That is a book that I would recommend um, across the board for all women to read. I don't care where you are in your life. That is a great book for all all women to read. Hmm. And it's called, what is it called again? Women Evolve. Women Evolved. I, I always put the titles that we talk about, I put them in the show notes okay. with um, a link to our bookshop. So if people want to get them, they can. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, like I said, a total book nerd. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for spending some time with me in your busy household. Yes, you are so very welcome. It's just been fun. Uh, I know in the podcast format, you can't see people. Uh-huh. You can only hear them. But it's kind of been fun to watch be over your shoulder, people coming and going and the kids and, uh, you know, all the life and activity. And and it makes my heart sing to see the vibrancy in your home. That happens in my home, right? Yeah. Next uh-huh. week, maybe it should be like a video chat so people can see all the things, right? That's right. That's right. Well, I think sometimes we put, uh, you know, when you only interact with people on one level, like in a work environment or in a church environment or in a, a friendship environment or whatever, mm-hmm. you may not get to see all the richness of their lives. Absolutely. And I really... I'm honored that I get to see just a moment. Um, and again, the vibrancy of your home. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Well, I am just over the moon that you even asked, um, for me to be a part of this. And so I just hope that, you know, what, what I shared can be helpful to, to someone who's listening. For sure it will be. And thank you for sharing your insight and your grace and your beautiful soul. Yes, you are so welcome. Friends, I have an idea about creating a space right here in East Central Illinois that makes it a little easier to make real connection. Some place where each of us can come, share our experiences, and fully be ourselves and fully belong. Where people care deeply and are willing to take a step to creating opportunities for connection, dialogue, and ultimately authentic community where everyone is welcome, simple as that. And 
What if you got summaries of things taught at Soul Care that maybe you weren't able to attend a workshop? Or special tips and resources for self-care and spiritual development? Or even a cool journal? What if there was opportunities to connect in person and online and build real relationships and ways to give back to others so that they could learn, grow, and connect too? I can't stop thinking about what this community could look like and what might what transformation might come out of something like that. But being real, I can't do it alone and I don't have all the answers. The idea is in the beginning stages and there's lots of things to work on, but the vision of what could be is there. And that's why I want to extend an early invitation to you to be a part of it, especially if you want to have a part in shaping and building this community. So that means if you're intrigued in about joining me as a founding member of Kindred Souls, you can contribute ideas and insights into how to make this the most supportive and welcoming group dedicated to stretching and growing, taking care of each other and living our truest and best lives. I'm going to be celebrating my 50th birthday at the end of October. And we're celebrating the anniversary of Soul Care being open for two years. And so I want to make a special offer for you to check out and join Kindred Souls as a founding member. If you join in October, you'll get a discounted price that will be locked in for the entire time you're a member. And not only that, but we'll be welcoming and recognizing all founding members at our Community Appreciation Celebration and Open House the evening of Friday, October 29th. And you are invited, whether you become a member of Kindred Souls or not, but I would love to welcome you into the community and cheer you on. Do you want to find out more? Why don't you shoot me an email at info at experiencesoulcare.com or DM me, DM Soul Care or me, Kelly Skinner, on Facebook or Instagram, and I can give you more details about pricing and what's involved and the different levels that you can join at. But I really would love to invite you to be a founding member. Help be a part of making kindred souls grow and flourish. I really look forward to hearing back from you and thank you. Thank you for listening to Everything is Spiritual and taking time to nourish your soul. Tune in each week for a little community and a lot of conversation. Or subscribe in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss our next episode. For more resources around spiritual exploration, restoration, and transformation, be sure to sign up on our mailing list at experiencesoulcare.com. Visit our website for information on retreats, workshops, and services from our partners. Or better yet, come visit our welcoming space in Urbana to say hi and get a steaming cup of tea. Soul Care Urban Retreat Center is a warm, welcoming, and accessible place for you to refresh, renew, and restore your mind, body, heart, and soul. We set a great big table, and everyone is welcome. Until next week, be well.